0: Chapter Twenty Three of Opening a Chestnut Burr by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Twenty Three. Gregory's final conclusion in regard to Miss Walton. Annie Walton was now no longer an enigma to Gregory. He had changed his views several times in regard to her. First, she was a commonplace, useful member of the community, in a small way, and part of the furniture of a well-ordered country house, plain furniture, too, he had said to himself. But one evening in her company had convinced him that such a Miss Walton was a fiction of his own mind, and he who had come to regard average society girls as a weariness beyond endurance was interested in her immediately. Then her truth and unselfishness and the strong religious element in her character had been a constant rebuke to him, but he had soothed himself with the theory that she differed from others only in being untempted. He then had resolved to amuse himself, ease his conscience, and feed his old grudge against her sex, by teaching the little saint that she was only a weak, vain creature. Yet she had sustained not only his temptations, but another ordeal, so searching and terrible that it transformed her into a heroine a being of superior clay to that of ordinary mortals it is her nature to be good mine to be bad he had said i am a weed she is a flower but annie herself had rudely dispelled this illusion now he saw her to be a woman who might did she yield to the evil within her and without show all the vanity weakness and folly generally of which he had first believed her capable but who by prayer and effort daily achieved victories over herself in addition she had manifested the most beautiful and godlike trait that can ennoble human character the desire to save and sweeten others lives to have been lectured and talked to on the subject of religion in any conventional way, by one outside of his sympathies, would have been as repulsive as useless. But Annie had the tact to make her effort appear like angelic ministry. There is that about every truly refined woman with a large loving heart which is irresistible. The two qualities combined give a winning grace that is an open sesame everywhere. The trouble is that culture and polish are too often the sheen of an icicle. He believed he saw just her attitude toward him, It reminded him of Miss Bentley's efforts in his behalf, but with the contrast that existed between Miss Bentley and Annie. He now wondered that he could have been interested in such a vain, shallow creature as Mrs. Grob had proved herself, and he excused himself on the ground that he had idealized her into something that she was not. All that Annie said and did had the solidity of truth, and not the hollowness of affectation, and yet there was one thing that troubled him, While her effort to help him out of his morbid unhappy state was so sincere she showed no special personal interest in himself such as he had in her if he should now go away she would place him merely in the outer circle of her friends or acquaintance and make good the old saying out of sight out of mind but already the conviction was growing strong that it would be long before she would be out of his mind though he had plenty of pride as we have seen He was not conceited, and from long familiarity with society could readily detect the difference between the regard she would feel for a man personally attractive, and the interest of aroused sympathies which she might have in any one, and which her faith in nature led her to have in every one. Of course he was not satisfied with the latter, and it was becoming one of his dearest hopes to awaken a personal feeling, though of just what kind he had not yet even defined to himself when the tea-bell rang much later than usual on account of the chaos of the day he was glad to go down her society was far pleasanter than his own and future events might make everything clearer his supposition in regard to johnny was correct as he descended the stairs the boy came out of the sitting-room holding annie tightly by the hand and beaming upon her like the sun after a shower and when he found by his plate a huge apple that had been roasted specially for him his cup of happiness was full and he was ready for another shaking if the apple once caused discord it here confirmed peace the supper was as inviting as the dinner had been forbidding indicating a change of policy in the kitchen cabinet in fact after zibby cooled off she found that she was not ready for the world to come to an end or its equivalent her leaving the waltons after so many years of service and kindness she had not yet reached the point of abject apology though she knew she would go down on her old rheumatic knees rather than leave her ark of refuge and go out into the turbulent waters of the world still she made propitiating overtures in the brownest of buttered toast and a chicken salad that might have been served as ambrosia on mount olympus Zibby was a guileless strategist for in the success of the supper she proved how great had been her malign ingenuity and deliberation in spoiling the dinner she could never claim that it was accidental hannah no longer waited as if it were a funeral occasion and the domestic skies were fast brightening up except in one quarter mr walton's chair was vacant and gregory noticed that annie often looked wistfully and sadly toward it with the sensitiveness of one who habitually hid his deeper feeling from the world gregory tried to act as if his last conversation with annie had been upon the weather and as might be expected of refined people no allusion was made to the unpleasant features of the day neither then nor afterwards was a word adverse to the Camdens spoken they had been guests and that was enough for the walton's nice sense of courtesy only susie with a little sigh of relief gave expression to the general feeling by saying somehow i feel kind of light to-night i felt dreadfully heavy this morning annie with a smile on her lips and something like a tear in her eye noticed the child's remark by adding i think we should all feel light if grandpa were only here after supper she sung to the children and told them a bedtime story and then with a kiss of peace sent them off to their dream wanderings during annie's absence from the parlor gregory remained in his room he was in no mood to talk with anyone else Even Miss Eulie's gentle patter of words would fall with a sting of pain. When Annie came down to the parlour, she said, "'Now, Mr. Gregory, I will sing as much as you wish to make up for last evening. Indeed, I must do something to get through the hours till father's return, for I feel so anxious and self-reproachful about him. "'And so make happiness for others out of your pain,' said he. "'Why don't you complain and fret all the evening and make it uncomfortable generally?' i have done enough of that for one day what will you have an impulse prompted him to say you but he only said your own choice and walked softly up and down the room while she sung now a ballad now a hymn and again a simple air from an opera but nothing light or gay he was taking a dangerous course for his own peace as we have seen annie's voice was not one to win special admiration it was not brilliant and highly cultivated and had no very great compass. She could not produce any of the remarkable effects of the trained vocalist, but it was exceedingly sweet in the low minor notes. It was sympathetic, and so colored by the sentiment of the words, that she made a beautiful language of song. It was a voice that stole into the heart, and kept vibrating there long hours after, like an alien harp just breathed upon by a dying zephyr as was often the case she forgot her auditor and began to reveal herself in this mode of expression so natural to her and to sing as she did long evenings when alone at times her tones would be tremulous with pathos and feeling and again strong and hopeful then as if remembering the great joy that would soon be hers in welcoming back her absent lover it grew as tender and alluring as a thrush's call to its mate o'er the land and o'er the sea swiftly fly my thoughts to thee haste thee and come back to me i'm waiting thou away how sad my song when alone the days are long soon thou'lt know how glad and strong my welcome haste thee then o'er sea and land quickly join our loving band waiting here to clasp thy hand in greeting indeed miss walton said gregory leaning upon the piano That would bring me from the antipodes she did not like his tone and manner and also became conscious that in her choice of a ballad she had expressed thoughts that were not for him so she tried to turn the matter lightly off by saying where you probably were in your thoughts what have you been thinking about all this long time while i have fallen into the old habit of talking to myself over the piano you i might say but i should add in truth what you have said to me this evening i hope only the latter chiefly i've been enjoying your singing you have a very peculiar voice you don't execute or render anything any more than a bird does i believe they have been your music teachers crows abound in our woods she answered laughing so do robins and thrushes her face suddenly had an absent look as if she did not hear him it was turned from the light or the rich color that was mantling it would have puzzled him and might have inspired hope with some abruptness and yet hesitation such as is often noted when a delicate subject is broached she said mr gregory i wish i could make peace between you and mr hunting i think you are not friendly as she looked to see the effect of her remark the light shone on his face and she was again deeply pained to see how instantly it darkened for a moment he did not reply then in a cold constrained voice he said he is a friend of the family i suppose yes she replied eagerly i too would like to be regarded as a friend and especially to you so i ask it as a great personal favor that you will not mention that gentleman's name again during the brief remainder of my visit do you mean any imputation against him she asked hotly policy whispered don't offend her hunting may be a near relation so he said quietly, "'Gentlemen may have difficulties concerning which they do not like to speak. I have made no imputation against him whatever, but I entreat you to grant my request.' Annie was not satisfied, but sat still with knit brows. At that moment she heard her father's step and ran joyfully to meet him. He had come home chilled from a long ride in the raw wind, and she spent the rest of the evening in remorseful ministrations to his comfort.' as she flitted around him, served his tea and toast, and petted him generally, Gregory felt that he would ride for a night after the wild huntsman to be so treated. He also rightly felt that Annie's manner was a little cool toward him. It was not in her frank passionate nature to feel and act the same toward one who had just expressed such bitter hostility toward her lover." But the more he thought of it the more determined he was that there should be no alienation between them on account of hunting curse him he muttered he has cost me too much already he had the impression that hunting was a relative of the family that he was the accepted lover of the pure and true girl that he himself was unconsciously learning to love was too monstrous a thought to be entertained still annie's words and manner caused him some sharp pangs of jealousy till he cast the very idea away in scorn as unworthy of both himself and her evil as my life has been it is white compared with his he said to himself in accordance with his purpose to keep the vantage-ground already gained he was geniality itself and so entertained miss eulie and mr walton that annie soon relented and smiled upon him as kindly as ever she was in too humbled and softened a mood that evening to be resentful except under great provocation and she was really very grateful to gregory for his readiness to overlook her weakness and give her credit for trying to do right indeed his sincere admiration and outspoken desire for her esteem inclined her toward him for was she not a woman after all she thought he has said nothing against charles they have had a quarrel and he no doubt is the one to blame he is naturally very proud and resentful and would be all the more so in that degree that he was wrong himself. If I can help him become a Christian, making peace will be an easy affair, so I will not lose the hold that I have gained upon him. When Charles comes, he will tell me all about it, and I will make him treat Gregory in such a way that enmity cannot last. How omnipotent girls imagine themselves to be with those who swear they will do anything under heaven to please them, but who usually go on in the old ways. It was late when the family separated for the night, but later far when Gregory retired. The conclusion of his long reverie was that in Annie Walton existed his only chance of life and happiness. She seemed to possess the power to wake up all the man left in him, and if there were any help in God, she only could show him how to find it. Thus his worldly wisdom had taught him, as many others had been taught, to lean on a human arm for his main support and chief hope while possibly in the uncertain future some help from heaven might be obtained he was like a sickly plant in the shade saying to itself yonder ray of sunlight would give me new life while it had no thought of the sun from which the ray came he truly wished to become a good man for his own sake as well as annie's for he had sufficient experience in the ills of evil But he did not know that a loving god does not make our only chance dependent on the uncertain action and imperfect wisdom of even the best of earthly friends the one who began his effort of saving man by dying for him will not afterward neglect the work or commit it wholly to weak human hands the next morning being that of saturday brought annie many duties and these with callers so occupied her time that gregory saw but little of her THE SHADOW BETWEEN THEM SEEMED TO HAVE PASSED AWAY, AND SHE TREATED HIM WITH THE UTMOST KINDNESS. BUT THERE WAS A NEW SHADOW ON HER FACE THAT HE COULD NOT UNDERSTAND, AND AFTER BREAKFAST HE SAID TO HER, AS THEY WERE PASSING TO THE PARLOR, "'Miss Walton, you seem out of spirits. I hope nothing painful has happened.' "'Jeff found my lost letter this morning,' she said, "'and I have been deservedly punished anew, for it brought me unpleasant tidings.' and she hastily left the room as if not wishing to speak further on the matter. It had indeed inflicted a heavy disappointment, for it was from hunting, stating that business would detain him some days longer in Europe, but she had accepted it with resignation and felt that it was but a light penalty for all her folly of the two preceding days. Gregory was not a little curious about it, for he was interested now in everything connected with her, but as she did not speak of it again good taste required that he should not an uncomfortable thought of hunting as the possible rider crossed his mind but he drove it from him with something like rage as gregory sat brooding by his fire waiting till the sun should grow higher before starting for a walk jeff came up with an armful of wood and seemed bubbling over with something he too had suffered sorely in the storm he had helped to raise the preceding day and had tremblingly eaten such dinner as the irate sibby had tossed on the table for him as a man might lunch in the vicinity of a bombshell he seemed to relieve himself by saying with his characteristic grin as he replenished the fire twas a dreadful pest just yesterday but de winds is gone down i's glad dat old hen is done for but she hatch a heap o trouble on her last day Jeff belonged to that large school of modern philosophers who explain the evils of the day on very superficial grounds, the human heart is all right-it's only "dat old hen!" or "unfavorable circumstances of some kind" that do the mischief. End of chapter twenty three.